0: Hello and welcome to Strategy Distilled for January. Mike Baxter from Goal Atlas here and I want to start by telling you about my new book, Core Values and how they underpin strategy and organisational culture. So in last month's Strategy Distilled I wrote about the Minimus Opus, a small book that is comprehensive on a particular subject and I proposed that I was going to have it published by the end of January and it is now done. So as I said in that last newsletter, um, resolving the core values of an organisation is in my view a forcing function that helps to resolve your people strategy and hence starts the transition towards the culture your organisation seeks. And of course having the right organisational culture Can make a difference between the success and failure of any strategy. So my core values book offers a framework for thinking about and making sense of core values followed by a workflow explaining what work needs to be done in which order and according to what logic in order to produce amazing and impactful core values for an organisation. The book is a short just under 100 pages and I hope highly accessible and practical guide for anyone interested in making core values impactful and it seeks to enable you to think more deeply and systematically about core values, discuss core values more meaningfully and perceptively, decide on core values more rigorously and present and apply core values more impactfully. So core values is now available um, to buy on Amazon even although I'm not launching it for a couple of weeks so if you want to grab a preview copy then head over to Amazon and I'd love to hear if you've got any views on what you think about it. So on to the rest of the strategy distilled newsletter it's the season for spring cleaning and the spring cleaning I'm talking about is of all the organizational debt that your organisation might have been accumulating. So debt can be crippling for any organisation and when we think of debt, we usually have money in mind. Or if you're an engineer, you might think of technical debt. Technical debt arises when software is released with insufficient testing, insufficient integration or poor technical architecture. And as a result, bugs get reported, fixes need to be scheduled into workloads until time is set aside to refactor the software And clear the debt. In 2015 Steve Blank, serial entrepreneur and author of the Startup Owners Manual introduced a third type of debt into business thinking. Organisational debt, Steve proposed, is all about the people culture compromises made to just get it done in the early stages of a startup. A year later Aaron Dignan founder of organisation design specialist The Ready, suggested that Steve's notion was too narrow in its focus. Organisational debt, Aaron went on to suggest, is so much bigger than just a startup phenomenon. In fact, he said, I believe the concept of organisational debt will turn out to be one of the most important concepts in the future of work. According to Aaron, organisational debt comes in two forms obsolescence based debt when structures or policies become unfit amidst new market conditions or accumulation based debt when structures or policies are repeatedly added but never removed he went on to suggest reducing or preventing organizational debt by number one not rushing into policy making every time something goes wrong and number two practising participatory governance across the organisation so everyone has a hand in editing how the organisation works. Now, whilst these are good recommendations, the strategist in me wonders what happens if the organisational debt has already become crippling? What would a strategic response to organisational debt look like? Fortunately, Google has already provided one answer as i mentioned in the august 2022 strategy distilled newsletter they called it a simplicity sprint and ceo sundar Pichai said it was designed to create a culture that is more mission focused more focused on our products and more customer focused we should think about how we can minimize distractions and really raise the bar on both product excellence and productivity this type of discussion raises a pretty fundamental question about strategy. Usually, strategy is thought of as separate from business as usual. Yet Google's simplicity sprint seems a blend of the two. It's all about improving business as usual, but doing so in such a transformative way that it is also strategic. So here are some thoughts on strategy and organisational debt that I've found useful. A couple of newsletters ago, I suggested a new definition of strategy that kept it separate from strategic plans. Strategy is an evidence-based, persuasive and feasible narrative of your commitment to a desired future that is unattainable by just refining and optimising what you do currently. The second half of this definition suggests a separation between strategy and business as usual. On the one hand, we have a future we reach by refining and optimising what we do currently. And on the other hand, we have a future that is more transformative and cannot be attained just by refining and optimising what we do currently. It is this latter, more transformative future that is reached by means of strategy. In this light, refactoring organizational debt sounds like it's a matter of refining and optimizing what we currently do, in which case it isn't strategic. That would be okay if the organizational debt was only in marketing or in operations or in HR. But what if it was systemic across the organization? What if we as an organization had been introducing processes, policies and standards that do more harm than good to most teams across that organisation. Also, what if this organisational debt was crippling our long-term fitness as an organisation? Maybe we miss business opportunities because our response is too sluggish. Maybe we lose staff because of too many day-to-day frustrations in getting work done. Maybe we spend lots of money fixing things that should never have been broken in the first place. So maybe our definition of strategy needs an additional qualifier. Exceptionally, strategy can be about refining and optimising what you currently do if it fixes systemic issues across your organisation that would otherwise cripple your long-term fitness. So I hope that might be useful in your thinking about strategy and organisational debt and do let me know if you have any thoughts on what I've just proposed. And finally, I hope you haven't missed Richard Rumelt's new, well newish, book called The Crux. Published in May of last year, this is the long-awaited follow-up to his classic good strategy, bad strategy, one of my favourite strategy books of all time. And here's a few excerpts to give you a flavour. Firstly, from Rumelt's website promoting the book. A strategy is a mixture of policy and action designed to surmount a high stakes challenge. It's not a goal or a wished for end state. It is a form of problem solving. You cannot solve a problem you do not comprehend. Thus, challenge based strategy begins with a broad description of the challenges both the problems and the opportunities facing the organization. In performing a diagnosis, the strategist seeks to understand why certain challenges have become salient about the forces at work and why the challenge seems difficult. In this work, we use the tools of analogy, reframing, comparison and analysis in order to understand what is happening and what is critical. As understanding deepens, the strategist seeks the crux, the one challenge that is both critical and appears to be solvable. This narrowing down is the source of much of the strategist's power, as focus remains the cornerstone of strategy. And then a couple of quotes from the book itself, the crux denotes the outcome of a three-part strategic skill. The first part is judgment about which issues are truly important and which issues are secondary. The second part is judgment about the difficulties of dealing with these issues. And the third part is the ability to focus, to avoid spreading resources too thinly, not trying to do everything at once. The combination of these three parts lead to a focus on the crux, the most important part of a set of challenges that is addressable, having a good chance of being solved by coherent action. The concept of a crux narrows attention to a critical issue. A strategy is a mix of policy and action designed to overcome a significant challenge. The art of strategy is in defining a crux that can be mastered and in seeing or designing a way through it. For the strategist focus is not just attention. It means bringing a source of power to bear on a selected target. If the power is weak, nothing happens. If it is strong, but scattered and diffused across targets, nothing happens. If power is focused on the wrong target, nothing happens. But when power is focused on the right target, breakthroughs occur. So my overall verdict on the book is that it's excellent although unlikely to have the impact that his first book had. I particularly like the fact that it corrects one of Rumelt's most challenging ideas in Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. In that book the strategy kernel was a key idea and this kernel, which as the name suggests lies at the heart of any strategy, is a three-part process. Diagnosis, guiding policy and coherent actions. Now I've taught The strategy kernel in training sessions with business professionals and teaching sessions with students, and they all struggle with the notion of guiding policy, that middle part of the three bits of the strategy kernel. And in my view, it was always badly named and lacked a crisp explanation. Now that problem is bypassed because we have a new strategy kernel comprising diagnosis, resolving the crux, and coherent actions. And this still needs explanation, but in my view, it's a much more powerful strategic tool. So again, well done to Richard Rumelt. And uh, if you have any thoughts on the book, have a look at it, see what you think, and let me know if you have any thoughts. So that's it from Strategy Distilled for January. Until next month.